Hello, Orbit Fanatics. Uh, welcome to another episode of Zero K, the podcast where we talk with the characters who are building Urbit, the uh, decentralized operating system for the next 500 years. Today, I bring you an interview that I had with Palfun Foslop. Palfun Foslop, in addition to being a legendary contributor um, who has been around the uh, been around the project since before me, even before for uh, Pole Deck, old as the hills, Tonteg, um, has uh, made a name for himself as the developer of such applications, uh, along with his his collaborator, Paldev, such applications as Rumors, um, Pals, of course, um, the lesser known score, Million, and many more. So he's already, I would say he's he's not just a, a, a man, he's also a brand. Um, Palfun is going to talk to us today about his new um, CLI projects, his new CLI contributions that he's made to core as CLI for those of you who are uh, not not full-time orbiters means command line interface so Palfun's going to tell us about all the new stuff he's done to make it so you can build for example snake um tmux uh things of this nature on urbit and which will i think will really change how urbit ui is done in the future because the command line is a legitimate um competitor to uh, the graphical user interface, like that could that could change development, could change what kind of apps you see. So that's very exciting. So join me when I talk uh, to Palfun Foslop about the once and future command line. So you've been around longer than I have, actually. That's right? You were you were working at Talon before when I was a twinkle uh, in Galen's eye. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> so I was thinking sort of at the beginning. Why don't you just explain kind of how you found Urbit? You know. How it even came on your radar? Yeah, yeah. you were went from ignorance to enlightenment, yeah. Yeah. and then you know, sort of how you got involved working on Urban as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was this was summer of 2016, I think. Um, I was still in college back then, so it's you know, you know, summer break. I have plenty of time on my hands. It's just dicking around on Hacker News or someplace. Um, and I saw a post about this Urban thing, and I'm like, well, I click it. I'll see what it's about. I didn't really get it. Yeah, impossible right? to tell. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but there's like there was stuff on the blog already back then that's like, oh, here's a you know vision for computers and like how people will use them and the kinds of things you can do. Were you studying computing yes. at all? And, okay. Yeah, yeah, I was studying software engineering, okay. um, which was you know like very different from the kind of you know software engineering that people might imagine, very enterprise focused, right? Mm-hmm. It's like how do you make the big bucks working for the big corporations, yeah. right? Um, very different ball game. Um, but yeah, this, this caught my eye on, on Hacker News, I think. Um, and yeah, the, the principles they outline on the website were, yeah, were very appealing to me. Um, Do you remember what they were? Do you remember the... I mean, these are like all the old blog posts of like, oh, imagine with magic, like we had these computers, like, oh, you take (laughs) Facebook, but you change it in these ways and then it's better, right? Um, and yeah, the, you know, like the very novel approach of like saying, yes, software's kind of screwed. Like, we're not, you know, just throw it out and do something better. Yeah. Um, it's like, I didn't fully get it at the time, but it's like, oh, this is clearly very novel. Yeah. Right? Um, and because it was summer break, I had plenty of time on my hands, so I, like, started digging in a little bit. It's like, oh, you can boot a comment, you can, like, join the chat and ask people questions. Yeah. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. They also had videos on YouTube already okay. back then about, like, Curtis doing presentations at various conferences and such. 
Um, Did you have the famous one where it was just the command line and like the Brian Eno? Oh, music? I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's such a classic. Yeah, like that's classic. that's the real vibe. Yeah, that's the real vibe yeah. for sure. But he was like he was wearing the the knock shirt in the presentations, right? And he like talked about yeah, like it fits on a t-shirt. That's cool. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, hmm. I want that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Because there's like no web shop on their yeah, website. Yeah. It seems kind of exclusive. Yeah. But it's like a nice shirt, right? Like it's a cool kind of graphic tee. Yeah. Um. So I send them an email. Like, hey, I'm, you know, this guy. I'm, like, playing around with Herb a little bit. How about those shirts, eh? Yeah. Um, and after a couple of days, one of the interns at the time actually gets back to me. And it's like, yeah, we got shirts. We, we, can, we can send you one, but you need to do the hoon exercises on the website. Um, and you have to remember, this is back in the day when we had, like, we had docs, but... They were always wrong. I don't know if you could really call them docs <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they were always wrong, yeah, yeah. right? So I was like, well, okay, there's exercises and there's a little bit of explanation. So I'm like, well, you know, I'll give this a fair shake, right? Try and try and play around with Hoon a little bit, see if I can learn anything about it. Um, and I had done, you know, studied software engineering, so I had done programming before, but never with functional languages. Oh, so okay. that was a bit of a trip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but eventually I'd do the exercises and like, get a little bit good at Hoon, sent them in. Um, actually sending more exercises than they like asked for yeah there we go um, and so they got me rolling already they <laughs> yeah. sent me the shirts and I'm like well you know this is cool I'm like hooked already yeah basically because like once you know Hoon even then it's like oh yeah there's chat and you can try making a chat bot yeah right and yeah. so that's the very first thing I did okay um, and yeah things kind of you know spiraled out of control <laughs> from there <laughs> took over your life yes yeah. yes yes yeah so, so the chat bot was the first thing huh yes yeah, so it's, I mean, it's interesting because that's like, um, yeah, that's a good point because the whole system is written in Hoon. Yeah. So once you know some Hoon, you could just crack open anything and be like, oh, this is how this is how it works. Yeah. Right? As opposed to sort of like, you know, if you try to crack open your MacBook, it's like, what are you going to really be able to get out of that without yeah. a lot of preparation, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, but, even, even that took me a little while to get used to because, you know, normal software development, everything is a black box, basically. Yeah. And so I was asking people questions, but not really looking at the source code that they were talking about. Yeah. But, you know, eventually you make that, that shift of mind. Read and, the uh, effing source code. Is yeah. That, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's all right there. Which is really true. And it's really, I mean, I've had a similar experience. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. good. And actually, like, one of the first... Thing, I don't know first things, but one of the first big things you did was a rewrite of the chat software, right? Yes. So after, like after that summer, um, I had started making making software contributions to Tlon, like just open source things, um, which I had never done before. So that was an interesting experience. Um, so you weren't like an open source uh, veteran. No, you were not really. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I just you know went back to college and like did my graduation internship. Um, then worked at the company where I did that internship um, for like a month or two. And I was like, well, this is, you know, like big enterprise corporation situation. Not really my thing. Um, Keaton, one of the interns at the time, kind of like, we were DMing frequently. And so he convinced me that the right thing to do was quit that job and like work for Tlon instead. Yeah. Um, and so, so I did. And the first thing they put me on was, was chat. Um, back then, like both the, the, the chat backend and the, the CLI interface were like the same thing. Yeah. And so my first like trial project was to pull those things apart. Yeah. Um, like get a cleaner architecture going there. Very nice. Very nice. And I remember, yeah. So you probably didn't start that. I probably came in pretty soon after you did that because I feel like that was kind of like just getting rolled out when mm-hmm. that, cause was that hall or no? 
Uh, Noah Hall was the... Was another generation. Yeah, that was the second iteration of this, yeah. I think. So this man has written literally more Urban Chat apps than maybe anybody else, which is a dubious distinction. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I don't know if that's something to be proud of, to be honest. <laughs> the world needs more chat apps. But it's like, as someone pointed out, it's a rite of passage for sure. Yeah, and yeah, the chatbot yeah. is too, for sure. Yeah. So what you're working on now is um, adding a whole bunch of capabilities around building interfaces at the 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 command line basically and the term that you use the more correct term is a, a textual user interface right so yes. a tui yes. a tui i don't know if anyone calls it a tui tui should we do it no should we call it a tui but anyway the as opposed to a gui right people yeah. do say gui so yeah, yeah, yeah. so gui is a graphical user, mm-hmm. user interface which is what most people associate their day-to-day life with yeah. right yeah. um clicking some boxes on <laughs> right um, so I was wondering if you could kind of like explain, we got can't assume that everyone here listening to this is a developer, for example, and a lot of people associate text UIs with developers and development power users, yeah. let's say. Yeah. So kind of like if you can explain what a text user interface is, a, a TUI is, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop using that, it's bad. <laughs> um, kind of, you know, pitch me on a text user interface. Like what, what do you find appealing about it? So... That's a good question. Where do we start? A TUI is, you know, like, on the very surface level, it's like a lower fidelity version of a GUI, right? Because instead of graphics, you only have text. Yeah. And you can sort of emulate graphics with text, but you can't really get that close. Yeah. Um, so it's a, like, lower, lower fidelity um, experience. Um, this does make it, like, more, like, easier for different, different environments to hook into. Because um, it's like, oh, you don't need to know how to draw a box. You just need to draw know how to draw like a bunch of characters. On Write the, the word box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, you can take shortcuts like that, um, and that's not, you know, like that's that's you know, it's like either you care about visuals or you don't. Um, the the thing that most people would say that TUIs and like you know terminal things in general are good for is that. Um, because you have less options available to you for like how to display things and like with that like how the user can you know specify inputs um, it's more more constrained and so as a developer you're more like more quickly forced to um, like simplify there yeah. and say okay we're going to um, instead of having like a complicated you know layout and like you move into different pages to do different things it's like no, no no we just have you know keyboard shortcuts and you press the buttons and things happen yeah yeah um and this seems you know there's, there's less decisions to make basically yes which allows yes. you to move faster yes this is nice for developers because you can move faster this is also nice for users because while it may seem arcane at first um your keyboard is so tightly tied to the interface like out of necessity basically that once you learn how to use a program, you can get really good at it and it can happen really fast. Um, this is, you know, like, hopefully most cachets still have, like, physical keyboards for their, you know, like, prices, inputs, and everything. And you'll just, like, see them blindly, like, and yeah. that's it, like, five items on the bill Yeah, already, a cashier right? can really do that, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting point because almost all point-of-sales POS systems are just keyboard and... And it's funny because have you ever seen the, the, the interface of how they do that? 
I might have seen a, a couple. I mean, I haven't videos. seen all of them. Now there's like fancy ones, right? But like the, it used to just be like a brutal, like some number. It's just yes. very simple, and yeah. I'm sure not self-evident how to use. But they get good at it. Yes. And you can go very, very fast, right? Yes. You want, you know, you want that. Um, well, it's not a high skill ceiling per se, but you do want to be able to like ramp up your proficiency yeah. that way. Yeah. So it's like a GUI seems like it really a lot of times optimizes for someone being able to come in with no context and be able to do something like once, yeah. right? Like the Expedia website. They didn't want to like learn how to use the Expedia website, mm-hmm. right? And although you still have to because it's always breaking and stuff like that. But like, you know, it's always changing layout and stuff. Yes, but, yes. but, um, but a text UI is better for things that you're using all the time. You get good at it. It becomes almost second nature to use it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That's really... It's interesting. I actually was going to ask you, you know, the... On the one hand, very few non... Like text UIs are just such a small portion of all UIs nowadays, right? Yes. I, I wouldn't even hazard to guess, but it's not that much. Um, but on the other hand, people text so much, right? Actually, textual input, yes. just in terms of text messages, all the various chat apps and stuff like that, people are actually typing a lot. Yes. Um, and I wonder if sort of like, um, if you think that will... Like, so it's almost like, do you think that will make people more disposed towards text UIs, possibly? Or do you think it's still kind of like got a long ways to go in terms of like the average person? I'm not sure about disposition per se, but it certainly indicates that for a lot of the communication we do, you don't need that fancy a client. Because yeah. like, again, the only thing you're, you're shipping back, back and forth like for your communication channel is plain text yeah. almost all of the time. Um, and yes, pictures are very nice, and they can get a lot of a lot of information across. Um, and you know, there's there's ways to handle that in, in TUIs also. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because it's like, you know, there's there's some overlap there. We're like, well, what am I communicating, and how am I communicating it? Yeah, right? yeah. And it's funny because like at the limit, a text UI and a chatbot. It's very fitting that you were first a chatbot developer, right? Because yeah, yeah. A chatbot is basically a kind of text UI, it's, but yes. it's, ideally it has some fuzziness where you don't have to like say, you know, mm-hmm. I could say movie times or I could say movie times in LA or, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so right now, you know, Urbit supports, of course, text UI um, of some stripe uh, and then also has a lot the ability to build graphical user interfaces. So can you explain though, just give kind of a a, a tour, whirlwind tour of the part of the Urbit system that like supports text. So if you're gonna build a new text UI, Mm -hmm. like what pieces of Urbit are you touching basically? Yes. Um, So in practice, like the stuff that you're writing only happens in the the application that 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 you're building. Um, what do you mean? What do you mean by this? You mean like the you mean the actual messages that the person's getting by stuff that you're writing? Yes, okay. yes. But the you know to like get things onto the screen, yeah. it is good to know like what the pipeline for that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and so when the user is using Urbit and they're at the keyboard, like pressing keys, um, that first comes into the Urbit runtime. Okay. Um, assuming you're in the in the real terminal, um, and so the runtime like runs in a, a terminal emulator, and those have like you know arcane, archaic ways of, of handling user inputs and turning those into 
uh, byte streams that the program can can understand. So, yeah, so, so people who don't know, it's like a ter a lot of that part of the system of all computers yes. has been around since like the beginning of computers. Right? Oh yeah, this goes so you're all the way with, like, back. Like really an old dinosaur part of a computer. Yeah, like they didn't even have screens back then. They just printed everything out to like a printout, like a receipt. Yeah, yeah, yes, uh, yeah. yes, yes. And so that's why everything is you know line based and like text, and you have you know special commands for new lines because the paper needs to move up. It's yeah, yeah, uh, literally a printer. I didn't yeah, know that. I yeah, didn't yeah. think about that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's, you know, a big a big role of the runtime there is translation between all that old world stuff and the nouns that Arvo can understand. Yeah. Um, so it does that translation for the inputs, sends the input into Arvo. Um, Arvo has a terminal vein called DIL, um, which doesn't do much. All it does is track which different terminal sessions you have open, okay. so you can be working on you know multiple things at the same time. Um, and it says, oh, this input is for this session. I know which user space agent, which application is associated with that session. Got it. So I'm going to forward them this ah, input. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the the user space agent is where all the magic happens. Um, so this could be direct connecting to your application directly, or to some higher level thing that you know, for example, implements the prompt for you so you don't have to do that yourself. Got it, got it. Um, so the pr where does the prompt live? Sorry, just make sure I understood that correctly. The prompt lives in user space okay. in Drum, okay. which is a part of Hood, like the system utility got it. application. So that's a user space thing, but it's like, that's just has all these conveniences. So yes. That, okay. yes. Got it. So it's like a keystroke, just so I make sure I understand. A keystroke, I type on my, I type literally a letter, yes. press enter, let's yes. say. Right, that goes into the runtime, which is running on my desk, let's just say laptop, yeah. for the ease of yep. understanding. That goes into the runtime, that goes into DIL, which is the part of Urbit that handles those keystrokes. Yes. And then that, through drum, goes to my application and goes, oh, I'm supposed to do whatever. Yes, yes. Make a new line when I press enter. Is, yes. that, is that right? Okay. Yes. And then so what's the, what's the reverse path? Like I wanna print something into mm -hmm. the screen, how's that? Yeah, so your, your application is going to get the return key and it's going to figure out, oh, maybe a command just ran that says, you know, put, put this string of text on the screen, right? Um, and so there's a, there's a protocol that Dill understands um, that's very low level um, and like it's tied to the semantics of like real terminals where it's like, oh, to draw a piece of text on the screen, like move the cursor somewhere and then say, oh, we're going to put, you know, text there. Yeah. Um, and so that's what the application does, is it says, okay, I know I want to draw text at this location, so we move the cursor, we draw the text, that's it. And okay. that goes back up to Dill, Dill knows, oh, that came from this thing, which is this session, and so anyone, like the runtime listening for Got that it. session, gets the outputs. Got it. Um, okay. And that then does the last transla translation step of like, move to these coordinates, into you know the escape sequences that have been around for ages. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And so it should be said though, like that Urbit now has a web terminal, mm -hmm. so you can also do all this stuff in a browser, yes, as well as on the actual physical, you know, yes, computer yes. for lack of a better term. Yes, the the web terminal just emulates a similar environment. Yeah, so so right now the web terminal kind of is just the the yeah an emulation of the of what you'd find on your laptop, for example, yes. Yes. and so that's useful. Yeah, for I mean, for people who don't have a lot of experience with that, it's like there's a lot of debugging command. Like you know, you want to debug, you want to do system level stuff with this kind of you know affordance because for every debug command, like let's say your ship isn't updating, do you want to write a GUI for that? No, it's like it makes more sense just to have a text UI version, right? So yes. it's like so you know when 
one of the main distinctions between Urbit and just some account on a social media um, website is that like you can actually debug your, it's a full computer, right? So you can do that from either the, the browser or from the terminal, right? Yes. Um, okay, so what are the limit? Like, you know, what's this? This, you, the, this is the system that exists now. Yes. Like, what are the cha- what's the you know, what needs to be improved, basically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So you mentioned how like things go into Drum, um, and Drum is this thing that implements the command line prompt. Um, however, it limits you to just the prompt, right? Yeah. So all user input goes into there. Your application only knows what text is in there at this moment. And if your application wants to actually put things onto the screen, the only thing it can do is say, yeah, append things to the bottom of the screen. And you get Got like it. a giant list of scroll back that can only ever go up. Got it. So, so, okay, so if I understand correctly, you're basically, right now, your text UI logic is kind of confined to literally adding a line at the bottom of the screen, right? Yes. And it moves everything else up, but you yes. can't jump up and alter a line. I mean... You could do a lot of tricks to try to do such a thing, right? You like yeah. clone it all, and uh, yes, exactly. but right now it's just line per line, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which makes advanced drawing stuff hard, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and so that's you know that's obviously a big limitation. The command line paradigm works well for many things, but if you're like, oh, I want to edit text or play a video game or whatever, it's just like it's a non-starter. Yeah, right. Um, so earlier this year in January, the terminal stuff, the terminal improvements, I've been working on for some time finally made it out to the real network um, and they added affordances for yeah doing the more dynamic like two-dimensional uh, TUI kind of kind of drawing um, and so you know drum still exists and by default you still grow through that um, but you can if you create a new terminal session now also say oh no I don't want to connect to drum it's too restrictive mm. let me connect to this other thing instead okay and then that other thing gets direct access to all of the user inputs okay. and all of the like drawing affordances okay, that Dill and the runtime give you. Okay. So by all user inputs, what do you mean in addition to just keystroke? Is there something else or? Yes. So if you're in Drum, you have like your your you know your control key like Emacs style key bindings for like oh control U like deletes everything up to the beginning of the line. Control E moves the cursor to the end. Um, and so underlying applications never see those keystrokes. Oh, interesting. Because Drum like eats them and turns them into what's the current situation with God. the prompt. Got it, okay. Right? All right. Um, but if you connect directly, like the user can you know, do control key bindings, individual keystrokes, mouse click events also. Oh, wow, okay. And um, yeah, those can be handled directly by the, by the underlying application. That's interesting because like, I think probably m- most people think about for a text UI includes like basically you know, we didn't say this, but like no mouse input, right? I mean, most people are like, oh, that's what you sacrifice. Like a mouse is for a graphical user Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. interface. But like now an application developer on Urbit could have access to the mouse click events to, and and I'm assuming they can also define their own like sort of like keyboard shortcuts using these control keys and stuff like that. Yes, because it's just like, well, what do I do when the user presses this key combination? Okay, very nice. And so in terms of, so that's kind of on the input side that's been, so now that's all available to an app developer mm-hmm. and they could do with it what they want to do. Yes. Um, so on the drawing side, what are like, just give a little bit more concrete examples of what's been added. So the, the primary addition is instead of being able to move the cursor along the bottom of the screen where the prompt would be, 
you can now also move it in the vertical direction. Okay. So you can pick any location of the screen to put the cursor onto, which if you subsequently draw text at the cursor location, means you can draw it, draw anything anywhere on the screen. Um, most of the other things there we've actually already had for a long time, but have just been like, you know, difficult to access because of this. Um, so instead of plain text, you can put text with colors and like underlines and stuff like that. Okay. Um, there's also some interesting things that you might not immediately consider to be UI output. Okay. Um, so it's possible, for example, to say that you want to save a file. Okay. Um, and the Urbit runtime, you know, writes this to the, the hard drive of whatever machine it's running on. Oh, interesting. Um, but if you're in the web terminal, it gives you the download prompt of your browser. Oh, very nice. So you can, you know, pick and choose where you save it, such and That's such. interesting. So you could, if you had like a terminal uh, text editor, like an equivalent to like a, a VI or Emacs. Yes. In the web browser, you could just download it to work through the browser. Basically. Yes, you can just download files from your that way. Very nice. Okay. So, and then in in terms of the actual like fidelity of the or sort of um, I guess that's what I mean, like the the fidelity of the drawing, mm-hmm. right? Like, are the pixels of a TUI essentially like the character width, like you know, rectangles? Yes. Is that kind of how you do it, or can you do it at, even at the pixel level? No, like individual characters really is the smallest resolution that's available to you. Okay. Um, some terminals do support a like a special protocol called Sixels, okay. which lets you say, oh yeah, within this like space where a character would normally go, yeah. you have all these pixels with these different colors. Oh, interesting. Right. Um, but it's a it's a you know non-trivial protocol to implement. Yeah. Um, it's not clear that it's the right thing for us to do. Yeah. Um, well, you're we may, almost back in GUI land at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, you know, like again, it's one of those Earth protocols. It's like, well, you know, do we really want to keep that around? Um, you would probably like abstract over it pretty heavily. Yeah. Where instead of saying, oh, here are the pixels, it's like, no, no, no we have like an image yeah. proper and a yeah, location yeah, yeah, for yeah, it, yeah. stuff like that. That's interesting. So, so when you do, um, like, I just want to draw a rectangle, for example. Are you essentially drawing just the outlines of a, of a, like, like the borders of? What's the term for like the the, the space that would be occupied by a character? Do you know, does that make sense? I mean, that's just a character. I'm not sure there's a special term for it. Term okay, for so that, a character yeah. space, whatever. Yes, uh, yes. Um, so, if you're drawing a rectangle, is it just like the borders of that? You're basically doing like yes. the upper border of it, and then, uh, right? Like yes, yes, yes. Underline at the bottom, and then mm-hmm. side. Li- okay. And so you know, there's many there's many criticisms of Unicode to be made, yeah. but they do come with a bunch of like box drawing characters for you know doing these kinds of things like drawing lines. And so that's the thing that. that probably maybe people don't understand is right like it can it draws like literally text, yes. alphabetical text, but also this whole array. I mean, the most trivial of which being like arrows and people, stuff people have seen, but like there's a whole bunch of essentially character images yes. that can be drawn instead, and you can use those as well, yes. right? Yes. Like I was talking to, to uh, Hadzad, and, and he was talking about building a poker app on this, mm-hmm. and like the the suit icons are a Unicode character. You yes. know, so you could you're yeah, you can right you in. have those. Yeah, you're not like, like you don't need to like hire a designer to get the drawings. Or, no, 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 they're in you know whatever font the user is using. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that's really cool. Okay, so I mean, so so just to so give people like, sort of like a, an idea of what you can do with this, can you just give kind of like an overview of the demo stuff that you've 
built to kind of showcase this stuff. Yeah. So you showed some of that in your presentation, but they haven't necessarily seen it. So like, mm-hmm. kind of what what? Give me some examples, basically. So the the big thing from the demo is um, an Urbit Tmux equivalent okay. called Book. Uh, not everyone's going to be familiar with what Tmux actually is. Yeah. Um, people who do a lot of work in the the command in the terminal in the text UI um, environments. Um, usually want ways to be multitasking more effectively than having multiple terminals open at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Um, so Tmux is a program that lets you say, oh, I have like multiple windows, I can easily switch between, yeah. or I could take a single window and split it up into two halves that live side by side. Yeah. And then you can run, you know, separate programs in those separate... Kind of like if you've ever, like, resized, like, browser windows to have, like, to copy information from one to the other, right? But in a programmatic way and just... Yes, exactly. Um, And so that was, was like, the the core of the demo was that that environment. Yeah. Which Um, takes advantage of all this stuff, right? Because you guys need to be able to redraw stuff from one side of the screen to the other and dividers and, like, the whole... Basically, it exercises a lot of the system. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Um, and yeah, so within that, um, like that connects directly to Dill, right? So you can open a session that has that inside of it, um, and then that does the same thing for connecting to other applications. Got it. Um, and so some of the other applications I demoed were um, a couple of games. I built very, you know, very dumb, very prototype, ugly versions of Minesweeper okay. and of Snake. Okay. Um, snake in particular is interesting because it's a real-time game, mm-hmm. right? Like the snake just keeps moving around the screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what we do there is, you know, very dumb. We set a bane timer to fire every half second or thereabouts, um, and then that updates your game state. Yeah. The snake moves forward and yeah. that updates the screen. Um, this is nice if your ship isn't doing that much the frame rate is fairly consistent yeah um but you know when an ota comes in of course it's not going to be moving the snake forward anymore yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but it's you know it's a fun thing to play around with like it's an interesting prototype still um so it's an anime i mean it's like an animation right yes 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 um the last thing i made um which is you know things that have come up um many times in just discussions of like, well, what do I you know, really need to be on Urbit to live there as a developer, yeah. um, is I made a very simple text editor. Okay. Um, so it's very, for, for those of you who are familiar with Nano, um, it's very similar to that. It has you know, like a plain text buffer that you can edit, and then there's instructions at the bottom of the screen for like a couple of uh, keyboard shortcuts that yeah. you can use. Yeah. And so this is also where you can, you can save the file to very download nice. it and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. people don't know, it's like one of the sort of quandaries of being an Urbit developer is you still have to use a lot of tools that are not on Urbit, right? So it's like you're yes. very much, which is like, there's part of that's just almost like the spirit of the thing. You don't want to switch, but then also there's a context switching. So being able to do it all in your ship is is really cool. Yeah. This also, I'm assuming, will open up all kinds of danger zones for users who can open up their source code and somehow muck around with it. I mean, danger zone or adventure, depending. You know, like they already could to some extent <laughs> anyway. It's like, well, you know, you probably know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. If you got here, you probably know what you're and doing. And if you don't know what you're doing, you will soon enough. <laughs> very, very true. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, so this is all not shipped to the network, live network yet, but it's yeah. probably pretty close to getting there, I'm assuming. Um, so... Once this stuff is kind of in the hands of developers, um, what do you think it's going to like enable? You know, like what? What? I mean, yeah. I mean, what do you think this is going to add to urban development? To what applications are being made for end users eventually? 
So the thing that's really nice about the terminal environment for urban developers is that you get to operate your UI in a place that's very close to where your data lives, mm. right? Up till now, like most applications have been, you know, web applications, urban, urban web apps. Um, and then you have to do this whole song and dance of like, oh, JSON conversions this, subscription management that. Um, and for terminals, that just doesn't come into the picture at all because yeah. your rendering code lives right there next to your data. Like yeah. You have full real-time access to that all of the time. Um, and so that's a very big advantage. Um, it would let you, you know, like prototype um, UIs much faster, get things working much faster, except that the drawing protocol we have is so low level um, that drawing something as simple as a box is still, um, you know, it's like labor intensive. More difficult than it. I mean, but in the future, those conveniences can be real. Yeah, like it's not, it's not even difficult, really. Like it's not complicated, um, but it's a lot of rote implementation work. Yeah. Um, I did also write, you know, in the course of writing the things for the demo, write a library that takes some of the obvious, like, points of generalization. Yeah. Um, and factors those out so that it's, you know, you can just say, I have a box at this coordinate with these dimensions yeah. um, and draw a line around that thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that alone already helps a lot yeah. um, and gets you to a place where you can you know, start dealing with your application-specific logic more quickly. Very nice. Yeah, and, it's, I mean, and, and the fact that all this stuff is immediately available in the web browser yes. means that writing a terminal UI wouldn't mean it would be just people at their computer. Yes. Right? It could be people... Who, who, are, who have never opened the terminal on their actual laptop can still do this kind of stuff, right? Yes, so, correct. And, and with the mouse click events, that's, that's, there's a lot of stuff there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. And I think that's, that's all the questions that I had for you. And I'm pretty excited about this to come out. So, yeah, it's going to um, be a lot of fun to see what people make. Yeah, and so I, I think uh, in terms of, you, you also do a lot of other application development. So um, for people who are listening to this, where can they read more about the stuff you've been doing and find uh, more of your um, content? <laughs> like well, I don't. Subscribe. Yeah, no, I don't have a. I don't have a blog. I don't have a you know Urban Only Fans or whatever. There's there's none of that. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Um, not yet. Not yet. Um, Watch this space. Yeah, no, I have you know like I, I do a lot of as you said I do a lot of application development. Also, um, all of the Paldev apps um, people are probably familiar with. If not, you know. Look up Paldev in the in the. I'll put that in the show notes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll put I'll put where you're distributing your major apps from, so yes. they can find those. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, and all of the other stuff. Like most of the other work I do is in kernel space, and so you either already have it or will have it soon, <laughs> right? Okay. Well, that's a good way to put it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Great Anytime. Talking. Good talking. Boom. There it is. There it is. That's a wrap.